I really do enjoy being around my family most of the time, and I know that you do yours as well, and it really is the truth though, isn't it? I mean, we, we get around people, and we spend time with them, we like things, we enjoy some things. At some point, sooner or later though, they get on our nerves, don't they? I mean, they just do. And um, so we're, we're driving back yesterday in the car, leaving all this family that we got to enjoy and spend some time with. And um, I was kind of, you know, glad we were getting back home. Did I say that appropriately? All right. So you guys know what I'm talking I'm, I'm glad to come back home. It's always nice to see family, always nice to get away, always nice to come back home. And all four of the kids are just screaming, you know. Mason's screaming because he wants his milk. Mally and Branch and Mo are fighting in the back over who gets to pick the movie on the iPad because we're great parents, and if we have eight-hour car trips, we just give them the iPad and let them watch movies, you know. And so that's kind of how the, the whole thing went. It was loads of fun. I'm glad to be back home. I really do mean that. But I got to enjoy some time with my family and my kids, and my wife did too. We went down to Canton, Georgia. Stephanie's dad is the associate pastor at First Baptist in Canton. And uh, so we, we got to go spend some time with them Christmas Eve through yesterday. And we got to see uh, Stephanie's uh, aunt and some cousins and uh, her grandmother and, and, uh, and grandfather. So they all came in, had loads of fun. And I always liked that time of the year in particular around Christmas and New Year's because we just, we, we leave for a little while and we go spend some time with family members. And one of my favorite people to spend time with is Stephanie's dad, Wade. And I've just got to kind of set this up here a little bit so you know, okay? Um, so when Stephanie and I met, I, got, I knew I wanted to date her. She was gorgeous and she was smart. She was filled with joy. Like I remember that about her. She was laughing and smiling. And, uh, and so I thought, man, I probably need to ask her dad if I can date her. You ask permission, right? And that's, that's how I grew up. If you're going to date a girl, you go ask the dad's permission. So I called Wade. I got his cell phone number from Stephanie. And I said, hey, Wade, my name's Jake. And it was kind of like the, oh, yeah, I know you. And uh, I said, hey, I, I want to sit down with you sometime and, and talk. Um, I'd, I'd like to date Stephanie. Okay, well, you sit down and talk. Well, you want to go to lunch? And I said, well, sure. He said, well, I... Man, I, I can meet you today. I said, well, you know, we're mowing yards today. It'll be 45 minutes before I can get down there. He said, well, what about tomorrow? I said, tomorrow works. And so we met, went to a Mexican restaurant in Hernando, Mississippi. And about three minutes into this conversation, Stephanie's dad looks at me and says, Jake, I like you. In fact, I'll tell you this right now. If, uh, if you want to marry Stephanie, you got my permission. You laugh because you think it's a joke. That is the truth. Every bit of it. And then he proceeded to tell me all the great and wonderful things about Stephanie and all the things that I was going to have to struggle with being married to Stephanie. And, uh, and man, look, he's, he's not more right. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. He couldn't have been more right. He knew his daughter. And I don't know if he just, he really does have a good sense of wisdom and discernment. Um, but there, I mean, just three minutes. Jake, you got my permission. You want to marry her, you can. And I thought, well, okay. We got engaged a few months later. We waited a year to get married, but we got married. Um, and we've enjoyed it ever since. And so anytime I get to go talk with Stephanie's dad, it's just this special relationship we have. In fact, Stephanie and I have been dating a few weeks, and I looked at her, 
And I said, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but if we ever break up, can I still be friends with your dad? And she said, sure, you know, and, uh, and she meant it. Um, but Wade Steelman, Stephanie's dad, is one of the most interesting guys I've ever met in my life. Um, he's a man of God. He walks with God. He'll stand on the truth. He'll speak the truth. He won't back down. That's just who he is. And Stephanie's dad has some interesting thoughts and philosophies on life. You got any family, family members like that? Yeah? Some of you are too scared to say it because you're sitting next to your spouse, aren't you? Yeah. So here you go. So we're, we're sitting around. This is the very first night we had gotten there. The kids were playing with toys, hugging on Nana. And Stephanie and, uh, and I put the kids in bed. And then, you know, when we get to talk to Wade and Tracy, Stephanie's parents, those first few minutes of conversation, Wade just kind of out of nowhere says something that I went, huh. He said, you know, we, we, we celebrate all these, these holidays in the church as Christians he says, you know, everybody says the two biggest ones are, what would you say, two biggest ones for Christians? Christmas and Easter. He said, that's just wrong. Yeah, look, even my kids are saying it. I've taught my kids wrong. No, huh? Here's, here's what he said. He said, that, that's just wrong. And I thought, what in the world? What could be more important than Jesus' birth and his resurrection? And he starts going into all of this historical background about how the Catholic Church used pagan feast days and start observing Jesus' birth at Christmas time and, and, uh, and Jesus' resurrection around Easter time. And I thought, okay. You know, about five minutes of that conversation was, I was like, oh, it's good to see Wade. Glad we can spend some time together again. But he said, Jake, you know what the two biggest celebrations in the church ought to be amongst Christians? I mean, I was baffled at that point. I really didn't know what to say. Maybe it's just because he's an old school Baptist preacher. He said, Jake, the two biggest celebrations in the church, the thing that everybody ought to be most excited about is when people get baptized and when we take time to remember Jesus dying for our sins through the Lord's Supper. And I thought, okay. I thought he was nuts when he said Christmas and Easter weren't all that important. But when he said that Baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two biggest moments of celebration that we as Christians ought to observe and to cherish in our hearts. I thought, man, you know, he is right about that. And it's not that our Christmas traditions, spending time with family and opening presents and having special services and events at church, it's not that that stuff is bad. And it's not that doing Easter egg hunts with the kids in spring and outreaching the, to the community and inviting everybody to come to church to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It's not that that's bad. It's just that we always ought to have in mind what Jesus has done for us. And those two things, more than anything else, remind us of what Jesus has done. Remember I explained baptism to you before I baptized Mary. You guys, you remember this? Jesus died for our sins. Look, can you do your arm with me? I make my kids do this when we talk about baptism. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again. That's what it means. Baptism reminds us of what Jesus has done for us, of what he's done for the world, of how he changes our lives, saves us from sin, and gives us a new life. And the second commemorative celebration that we as the church observe is the Lord's Supper. And there's times that, I'll be honest with you, you know, 
Lord, Lord's Supper Sunday here at the church, we, we observe the Lord's Supper every fifth Sunday um, of, of a month. So there's four of those in a year. If you've ever looked at a calendar and kind of seen how that works, they occur once a quarter. Just depends on how the calendar falls on, uh, as to which month they're in. But every fifth Sunday, our church has dis- decided to set aside that Sunday to observe the Lord's Supper together. And, you know, it, it's kind of this uh, interesting event, isn't it? Do you guys remember the first time that you took communion or you, you celebrated with your church in the Lord's Supper? I mean, I remember growing up in my church at North Hills Baptist in Sherwood, Arkansas. And if somebody said we were celebrating the Lord's Supper, I always wondered where the celebration was. You know? I mean... Have you ever been there in a church before? Maybe even here at one point, and it's just kind of like everybody goes, oh yeah, Jesus died for our sins. Past the chiclet-sized crackers and those little bitty cups of grape juice. I mean, it's just this thing we, we don't even think about a lot of times. It's like, yeah, we're, we're glad to do it, but man, we're, we're kind of ready when we get back to normal church the, the, the next week. This morning, before we launch into a new year, and we make our big plans, and we think about what God's going to do in this next year, or we start to settle on resolutions that we want to accomplish, whether it's personal goals, uh, goals with your job, even spiritual goals as a Christian of how you want to grow in your faith. Instead of looking forward into the future and trying to figure out all of that, Let's take time this morning to celebrate and to remember that Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. I remember thinking when I was a kid that that this is kind of weird. Everybody's quiet. They're sitting in their pews or passing these plates across to each other. Everybody's getting one of the little crackers, the, the, the symbolic bread that reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for us. And everybody's getting that little cup of, of juice. It's red. It reminds us that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross for our sins. And I remember as a kid partaking of that the first time after I had been a, a Christian and had been saved and had been baptized. And I kind of went, this is, this is cool, I guess. But here's something interesting that's happened in, in my Christian life. And maybe it has as your, in yours as well. If I'll take time to really stop and think about what I'm doing in partaking of the Lord's Supper. I remember what Jesus has done for me. And it's almost like each and every time I take it that I eat of the bread and drink of the cup, I realize in a new and fresh way just how much Jesus loves me. I mean, it's almost like I've believed this message ever since I was six years old and have been saved and baptized, but it's like I believe it more, if that's possible. You guys know what I'm saying? And as I was thinking about Lord's Supper this morning and observing uh, this time of celebration that Christ came and died for our sins, 
And as I was thinking about conversation with Wade about baptism and the Lord's Supper and thinking about spending time with our family together over this past week, a couple of thoughts came to mind. I want to share them with you and I want to read a passage of Scripture and we'll observe the Lord's Supper together. But this first thought came, came to my mind. Stephanie and I have been married for almost 12 years now. July 26 of 2020 be 12 years we've been married. I loved Stephanie when we started dating. Man, I, I loved her when we got married. I loved her when we had our first child, our second child, our third child, our fourth child. I loved her the first Christmas we spent together. But it's almost like, like I love my wife more. You know, each day that I spend time with her. And it's almost like every Christmas when we get together with family, you know, we two guys married uh, Stephanie's younger sisters now, so we've got brother-in-laws and they have kids. It's almost like when we get together, the more often we get together, we love each other more. We know each other more. We want to spend time with each other more. We can tease each other a little bit more because we know each other better. We can laugh. We can cry, we can talk, we can listen. And when we observe the Lord's Supper as a church, it ought to help us remember just how much God loved us. It ought to help our love for Him grow more. But it also ought to help our love for one another grow more as well. Have you ever paid attention to the Lord's Supper in the New Testament? When people partake of the Lord's Supper, they, they do it as a group of believers, as the household of God, or a better phrase yet would be the family of faith. Some of the best times that we have as families are when we're gathered around the dinner table, eating with each other, talking and fellowshipping. And I know it's a little bit different, the Lord's Supper at a church service on Sunday morning than your family dinner table on Saturday night. But take a look around the room. Just look who you get to partake of the Lord's Supper with. And there's folks in here that might have taught you in Sunday school years ago. There's friends in here that have helped you through some difficult times. There's people who have prayed for you. You've got not just brothers and sisters in Christ, but even brothers and sisters in your own family gathered here with you in this building. You realize that there are some families where people don't have Christian siblings and they don't get to enjoy this time of fellowship and celebrating the Lord's Supper together. You come from different walks of life, different people, different backgrounds, different looks, different likes. But we come together as a family to celebrate what Christ has done for all of us. And we take time to remember just how much Jesus loves us. Just how much He loves all of us. It helps our love for Him grow. And it helps our love for one another grow. I want to read to you a few verses from John chapter 13. This was the first time Jesus observed the Lord's Supper or communion with His disciples. And uh, if, if you want to follow along with me and, and read in your Bible, you can. If you want to close your eyes and you won't fall asleep and just listen to the story and think about it, you can. But I want you to 
to pay attention to what happened that night when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. I want you to think about what was going through the disciples' minds as they were beginning to understand just how much Jesus really did love them. That He loved them so much He was about to give His life for them. And what Jesus told them when He told them that they needed to love each other. John chapter 13, and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that His hour had come, and that He would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. And during the supper, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper, he laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin, And began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. And he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now. But you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example That you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on I am telling you before it comes to pass. So that when it does occur. You may believe that I am he. Truly, truly I say to you. He who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me. Receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, 
tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. And he, leaning back on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Now one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, Buy the things we have need for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And listen to this, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment. I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now listen to me just a moment. When we begin to observe the Lord's Supper together in, in just a few minutes, you're going to hold in your hands the bread and the cup. It symbolizes that Jesus Christ was our sacrifice, that He died on the cross in our place. Say, so Jake, why, why did He have to do that? Because God is a holy God, He doesn't sin. And he takes sin seriously. Sin brings death and destruction to people and to this world that God has made. Jesus died so that instead of experiencing death and destruction, we could experience eternal life. Each and every one of us has done wrong. But when we trust that Jesus died for our sins, he forgives us of our sins. When we believe that Jesus not only died for our sins, but also that He rose again, He gives us a new life in His name. As you hold that piece of bread, and as you hold that little cup, I want you to remember just how much Jesus loved you so much that He gave His body, He shed His blood to forgive you and to give you a new life. And let the Lord's Supper take on this meaning for you this morning. If Jesus said, just as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. How much, how much, church, should we love one another? Enough to give our own lives for the rest of our family, for the rest of the world. Until all the world would come to know Jesus. 
Jesus told his disciples, just as I have loved you, so you also ought to love one another. Do you know how much Jesus loves you this morning? Have you chosen to love other people like he loves you? Take just a moment where you are. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you're here this morning and you, you've never received the love that Jesus has to offer. And maybe right here, right now, where you're seated, you need to give all of yourself to Jesus because he gave himself for you. Maybe you need to lay down your pride. Or maybe you need to stop making excuses. And you just need to come to him and say, Lord, I know Jesus died for me. And I know you love me. And God, I don't know why you love me, but I know that you do. And I want to experience your love. I want to be saved from my sins. I want to be forgiven. I want to have a new life. Maybe you need to tell the Lord that now so that you can be saved, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can have new life. you already are a Christian and you've experienced the love of Jesus, maybe before we take the Lord's Supper together, you need to ask forgiveness for some specific things you've done in your life. Maybe today, maybe this past week, attitudes you've had, feelings you've had that aren't of the Lord. And maybe you just need to say, Father God, I... I know I've done wrong. I know Jesus died for my sins. And I know I can experience forgiveness. Father, will you forgive me of those things? Would you cleanse my heart as I come to your table? Father God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ who came to this earth to die for our sins, who rose again to give all who would believe in him forgiveness of sins and eternal life. I pray that you would be with us now as we take time to remember what Jesus has done for us as we partake of the Lord's Supper together. May we remember how much you love us. May our love for you grow. May our love for one another grow. And just as you've loved us, may we also love each other. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This time I'm going to ask you to prepare your heart as the deacons come and prepare the table.
in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you for the body of Jesus Christ, your son, that was broken for us. God, may we as a church body be broken for our community. May we choose to give of ourselves to show others just how much you loved them. May we be reminded this morning of how much you loved us. We thank you for your sacrifice. Amen.